Welcome to the Shape of a Star podcast, where everyone has a story. We just need the shape so that we'll wear the star, or something like that. Super sorry if that came in like super loud on your end. It sounded loud to me, but hey, whatever. So, tonight, this evening, this day that you listen to, we are going to be diving into a topic we've touched upon so far on the podcast. Uh, as you people know, I do public speaking at conventions. Shout out to Reframe. Uh, but what I haven't spoken about is what I actually do besides that while I'm at conventions. Sure, I've cosplayed a teeny tiny bit. Nothing too major. I'm not one of those like elite people that you see online. Riot is not posting me on their League of Legends homepage. And But yeah, what do I do at conventions? Because I don't know if I've had anyone on yet that went to conventions, like, within the circuit that I'm in. Until today. So, we all know that anime about Kiss Kiss Fall in Love, who I probably can't say the title of, because I don't want to get sued by Funimation or whoever owns the rights these days. So, we all know it. We all, uh, I don't know, about think about wishing, dream, envision us going to some host club, as it's called. Getting served on by butlers and hosts and maids and all that life the point is is that i didn't know what it was until i was going to my first convention and two people that i was going with were both like oh my god there's a host club let's go and me i was like what is that because i didn't watch the anime yet i know right i went to my first convention like 2014 and i didn't see um kiss kiss fall in love but so they were like we gotta go we gotta go you're gonna love it and i'm like oh fine what are they doing? Like, and so they ex- described it to me and someone will describe it better later in this episode. And I was like, ugh, I don't feel like I'm that super into it. Cause I don't want to buy friendship buy people, like pay people to like treat me like a human. No, I'd rather just eat the food, but life's changed. I met cool people, including this person here today who I met known as host actually i forgot your host name so i've had so many but here today to introduce himself is mike hello hello (laughs) i didn't even want to go by i totally didn't even ask you (laughs) yeah that's fine okay cool open book so name out there is fine Cool. So, Mike, can you explain to people who you are in better terms? Uh, as a whole, I am just a guy who likes to hang out. I am uh, turned 31 a couple of weeks ago. Well, actually, that's almost a month ago. Time flies. Yep. Just like when this podcast comes out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, today is June 23rd, everyone, 2021. Yeah, so that's dating the podcast quite a bit. So yeah, I turned 31 about a month ago. I like to entertain people. That's uh, really the skinny of it. Uh, that could be taken in a number of ways, which you know we'll dive into here. But mm-hmm. just like to talk to people, open book 
deep dive conversations are my thing. So also this podcast here will probably, you know, stroke my ego quite a bit. So it'll be interesting. Well, let it. And that means when this episode does come out, tell all your friends to watch. Probably won't happen. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just because just it would expose me so much. But yeah, we'll do for sure. Just deal with putting myself out there like that, which, again, all of these are foreshadowing to things we're going to talk about, I'm sure. I'm sure, too. So since you're ready to dive in and you're ready to answer all those things anyway, let's just start. So by Mike's, like, calmer demeanor, you may recognize it from other people I've brought on. So this first question basically is just, Mike's another clickety-clacker, and if you've been around, you know that means someone that works with the computers all day. So, Mike, can you explain to people what exactly you do? Because I don't understand it half the time. It's funny when you say, like, just the way I answered calmer demeanor, that's probably like an INTJ thing, because a lot of people in my major seem to be INTJ, as I learned in college. But I... Introverted, intuitive, thinker, judgment. Yeah, oh my god, look at me, I remembered it. Yeah, INTJ. There's, uh, they basically swamp all over information technology, IT, computer stuff field. At least that was when I took the Myers-Briggs in college and they made everyone take the Myers-Briggs for some reason. They did? At Mason? Yeah, in the IT program? Yeah. And then it just ended up being like 90% of the IT program was INTJ, so I'm not sure what they were looking for, but I guess they were trying to find the leaders a bunch in the bunch. Oh, do- by the way, everyone, Mike did mention Mason. We did not know each other at Mason, but we were there overlapping times. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually do teeter-totter between I and E, so that will also be foreshadowed and reflected in today, because I think the last time I took it, I was like 53I introvert, 47 extrovert, and then they made me take it three times in college, so I got one I, no, two I's and one E, but the second I was the 53, so I guess I really just swing back and forth between introvert and extrovert but with the major i did cybersecurity, so uh the clickety clackety what do i do i started <laughs> off being an information system security officer so that's a mouthful to just say that when there's a system out there and they want to, you know, make their business public or make their business interact with other systems, they have to prove that they are secure. So an ISO, ISSO, uh, provides the documents that proves that they are secure. So that's kind of the career path I've taken. I'm currently doing more engineering lifecycle work, and that is on the oversight side. So my current position, instead of writing these documents to say, hey, the system is secure, someone else is writing the documents and I get to review it. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so are you one of the people that look at the computer screen while Tron's happening on the inside, trying to figure out what's happening? No, unfortunately, I see a lot more documents and slide decks. <laughs> well, I like to say PowerPoint, but 
the government says slide decks, so I've learned to say slide decks. Oh, is that what that means? I was wondering, I was like, what is a slide deck? Yeah. I guess they don't want to say PowerPoint because that's an actual software. Copyrighted mm-hmm. term. We are not sponsored by them. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's me half the episodes every time. Like, I'm not sponsored by blank, blank, blank. <laughs> yeah, but people will describe it as like slide deck hell or word document hell because it's just constantly reviewing them depending on how people want to share their information. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously like dabble with the government and you're working on to dive into that. We want you to keep working, but, <laughs> but no, that's super cool. And yeah, just, you've actually taught me so many things about computers too. Like if you hold down alt and tab people, that's how you switch between windows real fast. Yeah. You have multiple windows, windows, shift and arrow key. So you need to see your desktop, Windows D, a lot of things. <laughs> oh, I just tried it. You're right. It does work. All I knew beforehand was copy, paste, control, shift, uh, control, T, control, shift, T, like the basic like tab opener. Oh, you taught me how to close the tab. W, a control, control W. w. Yep. That's fun. So if you're at work, people, and you don't want people seeing what you're doing when they're walking by, control W will save your life. <laughs> It also works on like Word and basically anything on the computer. It's not just internet tabs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just to contextualize what you do for work. Now we're going to contextualize who you are. So you're a first generation American who grew up in a very strong community with many other people like yourself. It's a big Asian population, people. Oh, you can't tell. Mike's Asian. But. <laughs> In what ways do you see this as a good or bad thing? It's good because you'll start early on with networking. And unfortunately, adult life is all about who you know. But it's also flawed depending on your upbringing, of course. Because, you know, I grew up introverted. And unfortunately, my parents didn't provide me many opportunities to really meet my community or even meet my neighborhood community so i grew up quite sheltered and that had to be approved upon over time and that was really just improved upon over time thanks to a little of high school a bit of college and then tremendously with host club which you alluded to earlier Yeah, and also, people, something I always forget until we randomly dabble in this conversation, one of the ways that Mike expanded his horizons in high school is a topic we talk about often on this channel. Mike did guard for a year. Yeah, I was very happy-go-lucky. So one day, this girl next to me in history, AP history, Kelly, just randomly chatted and then just asked her what she did and she did marching band after school I was like oh what do you do you've twirled flags oh and she just straight up asked me would you like to join i said sure and that was it it was not a lot of pressure not a lot of convincing i didn't have anything to do in the afternoons anyway just- i mean it was a commitment yeah because for those who don't know band life and those who listen sorry if you do know but yeah, you committed the band camp. You went to FAR competitions, too. I forget the furthest state, because I honestly did not really get to do much tourism. So it was just on a bus, and then we were in a f- school like half the country away. So I forget what state, unfortunately. But yes, 
did do that. Yeah, so you you did get to kind of see America in a way. Yeah. Yeah, from a bus with from your school bus. and school supervision rules, which suck, yeah. by the way, everyone. I'll fully say it. There's a reason why my competition teams never go that far. But, no, but I literally always forget you did guard and you did host club to help come out of your shell. What other ways did you, like, come forth as a person that you are today? It was really learning that I could entertain people because I think I said in the intro and that intro was very much improv. So I'm not sure if I said it, but I think I said I just like to entertain people. And that got out because there's just milestones in my life. And I've been thinking about this because of an upcoming event that's important to me. So I've already been reflecting on this. So even though I didn't really prepare for this podcast, it's like I have an answer ready at this point. But yeah, there were milestones in my life in which I realized I liked providing fun for people. <laughs> what a weird way to say it. Not like a clown or anything, but it was just, <laughs> I, I was definitely very privileged. My family lovingly supported me very i'm not sure what's the word to say actually i don't even know if it's privilege or bless but both it was a very fortunate situation in which i grew up besides being the sheltered person that i was but i just had means and i just instead of being within my own means i like to share the means so multiple examples came out like uh just mentioning high school, I did do color guard, but I was also president of the video game club. And that's you a are? funny story. Yeah. That's a funny story because I was only president because I was the only person willing to bring their video game consoles to school. We met in the library, so we had library computers to play. But uh, no one else brought video game consoles. And, you know, back then I dressed in Hot Topic clothes, so I was all black baggy chains and everything and my parents had this beach bag that was blue and white it was ridiculous but that was the only thing that could fit my video game consoles but you just imagine this like goth wannabe hot topic kid walking around with hair down to his shoulders just holding a blue beach bag with consoles in it but that was one of the milestone moments that I was reflecting on. That's why it's so detailed because I was just recently thinking about it. But that was one of the milestone moments when it's like, I really don't care what inconvenience I have to do or go through, but just having my friends play this is really fun. I could fully vouch. My con- inconveniences himself, uh, inconveniences himself all the time for these things. <laughs> like the amount of stuff that you like lug around, even like for things that I've done, <laughs> hosted or just like. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, here's your four bags to, like, build a computer in front of us. Yeah, I t- for context, I, t- I have a portable PC, and I've packaged my VR headsets, either Oculus Rift or Valve Index for anyone listening, in such a way that I could also take it on the go. So I have taken my game nights slash VR setup to people's houses just so they could play, yeah. I will also say a positive that you did not mention, 
if ever I need food recommendations, like I know to go to Mike because Mike knows food. I definitely learned that from other people, but word of mouth is good. Hey, that's how I got it. Word from your mouth. Uh, <laughs> so we'll touch on and expand all those other things you said. But another thing that, again, I often forgot, and this time you also forget half the time, is that you got a master's degree. Not only just as a first-gen American, like thriving in America, you ended up like going above and beyond and obtaining a master's degree. What was that process like? That was meeting the right people in college. There is a good number of them. Highlights being Zach, Elias, and Jake. Oh, actually, there was Senai. I can't forget Senai. But uh, these guys were very much driven to get good grades. And it was thanks to them. I got roped in along. And... Around the time I met them, I was this uh, first semester of sophomore year. So this is third semester into college. I got a B or a B minus. I can't remember what it was. Or was it a B plus? But it was an easy A class. And I got a B. And that was a very funny epiphanal moment. It's so weird to think back on it. But that was like, I looked at myself and I was like, my life is in shambles. I couldn't get an a in an easy a class like this is ridiculous i am dumb <laughs> like what this am i doing stereotypical yeah. thing you could be saying right now too it's funny because i don't i wasn't really raised to be like uh to meet that stereotype i was very much a b average person but it was just it was a weird epiphanal moment i just reacted very motivated at the fact that I couldn't get an A in an easy A class, and he even gave like 200 bonus points if you did extra credit stuff, and I just didn't do any of it because I was just what? so confident. Yeah, I was like 200 out of like 1,000, and he was just giving you 200 free bonus points. It was a ridiculously easy A class. And I was about to say, was it within your major? Because then it would lose me. No, nah, it wasn't within my major, but it was easy. And yeah, that... After that, I didn't... I didn't miss a single Dean's list. Like that was just me kicking my butt in gear and then meeting the right people. And by the time I graduated, uh, Mason was offering an accelerated master's program for IT information technology. And myself and the four other guys I named and a couple others decided to keep the ball rolling keep the train going keep the momentum and accelerate masters is you just take an additional year because you take grad classes as part of your senior year so effectively you have like a overlap between your bachelor's and your master's and so i only have to be there another year and then that one i got a perfect 4.0 but unfortunately no one cares about gpa in grad school they just care that you got the masters <laughs> but that's just me pointing out that I really kicked it in gear and it's like it was only up ever since sophomore year. You know, I think it's funny how you mentioned no one cares about GPA. My grad program love to talk about their GPA. And I'll bet my classes were significantly easier than yours. <laughs> and no, I did not have a 4.0 world, but. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. You don't get the fancy words. Uh, what was it? Summa cum laude. I wouldn't. I didn't get that on my degree because they just don't do honors like that in grad school. You only get on your bachelor's. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wait, my cousin got it when she got her master's degree from social work, though. Maybe some schools do it. Yeah, maybe but some schools. Mason did not, unfortunately. She went to a private school. Prestige. Mm. Columbia University in New York people. But, so, you know, probably, like, trying to promote anything and everything they could. <laughs> no, it was funny. She did Accelerated Masters, too. But, again, very different classes. <laughs> very different world. Yeah. Oh, but the process, to answer your question, because I kind of got off the beaten path there, it was just taking classes. I guess that's the whole point of my whole spiel, is that you just go in, you study, and you take an exam. Uh, the master's degree did not have a dissertation. It had a reflective kind of project piece where we split up into teams and we reflected on a critical point in IT failure in the past. And it was basically rewrite the lessons learned and how we would do better to modernize the issues and the solution. So no dissertation. It was just a group project. It was nice. That's super cool, actually. Uh, yeah, I think it's, is that the only reflective assignment you had? Yeah, everything else was study and know your stuff for my grad school. It's the exact opposite for me. I had one exam, I think my whole grad school career, everything else was like, reflect on your thing for yourself for like five pages, APA double spaced, and in the contextual, and like, as like this situation, go reflect on yourself. How would you handle racism? Well, <laughs> and yes, I name dropped. But that's a no, but that's super interesting because I didn't, I forget people need to have dissertations and like theses for a lot of grad schools because mine was just like mm. all on hands, like experience, like <laughs> go to a school, work that's for free the, for a year. That's the right thesis. I think I meant to say the thesis because dissertation is PhD. I think some schools call it a dissertation too, though. Mm, okay. Like again, it's amazing how much schools can just cater to what they want. Schools are a business, people. Yeah. Not really full education. Yeah. I did think about PhD though. Like, uh, my brain was just full on momentum. It's like, do I really want to start working, or should I just get my PhD after just getting my master's? Instead, though, I went to go work for a company that paid you to get certifications, and I ended up getting seven. So <laughs> I think that gave me more money in the end than getting a PhD. What was PhD the PhD going to be in? It had to be information technology or cybersecurity or communications technology, because what else could I really have a say in? I don't know. Pop culture? Like, I think, yeah, I think I was leaning more on communications technology because uh, IT and cybersecurity at the time, I didn't really see a lot of good papers, paper subjects being written. So I didn't think I could find a viable subject myself if, if other people couldn't. Obviously, that probably changed today with machine learning, AI, and growing cybersecurity concerns. But you would have been like groundbreaking then. Yeah. 
would have yeah. been hard to find people's researches though to prove my point. If... Apparently, in like a higher ed, ed, you could either do like a sort of study. You don't. You could do research thing, or you could just try and make something of your own. Which everyone is a great segue into one of the sponsors of today. Just like Mike was talking about being like a forefront of like technology and communication. Well, in pop culture, which I referenced earlier, which, by the way, is a real PhD program at George Mason University, everyone. It's actually kind of fascinating. It takes forever to get. Anyways, but Geek Therapeutics wants you to feel like the superhero who defeated the villain in your favorite comic book. Imagine what it's like to be in an anime character's shoes. Feel proud during the instant you raise your arms in victory after conquering a Dungeons & Dragons quest. And cherish the moment you hugged your teammates after winning that esports tournament. They want you to use geek culture and its artifacts such as video games, anime, fan fiction, comic books, pop culture, esports, and tabletop RPG, uh, RPGs to unlock the best version of yourself and others. Approved by the APA, NBCC, ACE, and some other organization I actually forgot about. But all the main psychological associations that handle accreditation, which is amazing, they're all approved for the, all the trainings from Geek Therapeutics are approved by all of those places. And there's, I think, more coming. And you could check them out at geektherapeutics.com. Description in the show notes. Description, whatever we call it these days. Use the special link in the descriptions and subscribe to their awesome content and begin to learn how to mix the wonder of fun with bettering humanity. And yeah, uh, just a cool, like hybrid topic because basically they were like the first people doing their thing you could have been the first people doing a similar thing technology communication that's how i understand technology half the time is through like geek stuff <laughs> other half of the time i ask you yeah. or tyler <laughs> between you and tyler i'm like solid on commu- not communication technology Fair. yeah so Speaking of technology and all these geek culture things, you're a huge geeky nerd person. How would you describe your passions? Yeah, now we get to the actual like interesting stuff and not just school stuff and work stuff. Uh, I mean, people think contextualizing being a first-gen American that made it all the way to getting a master's degree, like that's fascinating too. But yes, the more fun topics, go. <laughs> I think I went off a lot of tangents, though, so I'm just rambling. But if someone finds that useful, then cool. Uh, I'm actually just buying time to think of what my passions are. <laughs> well, here, while you buy yourself time, if you're inspired by what Mike has been saying or have comments of your own, feel free to message us at The Shape of a Star on Twitter because we couldn't fit podcasts in the title. The Shape of a Star podcast on Instagram or email us at the shape of a star podcast at gmail.com. Also, there's a website, the shape of a star podcast.com. All is the same logo. Just go with the people. Passions are definitely in group games in which I can host. Once again, alluding to something we'll get into. Unless, I mean, I guess that's the interest right now. So you could just get into it now. I like hosting stuff for people. So. The, a lot of party games, own a lot of multiplayer, local party games, board games. <sighs> to think of fandoms, though, I am currently marathoning through Assassin's Creed, so 
I can admit I love that series. It's not even a guilty pleasure because I'm not guilty for it. Love Assassin's Creed. I'm holding. I have a Digivice on my wrist because I like Digimon. Hey, At least. Hey. Let's just uh, take care of it real quick if you hear the beeping. Uh, yeah, bought the Digivice. They're selling it at Giant again, and you can buy a wrist holder on Etsy that someone just 3D printed. It's really nice. But Digimon, Assassin's Creed, looking around my room. What else do I like? Halo. Halo, I appreciate Halo. Love the games, good memories. Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't really play it to collect anymore they came out with something called a speed dual box it's like a board game version of Yu-Gi-Oh. you just pick one of a, a few decks and play each other and see who gets lucky or better uh i've been skirting around the obvious one which is comics i am super heavily into superheroes grew up loving superheroes they are my passion they motivate me to do a lot of things which also introspectively, just like I was thinking on the milestones, like I was referring to earlier with lugging around a console to school, uh, superheroes actually had a lot of influence on shaping me as well and why I like to host. But comic books, obviously love the big two, that is DC Comics and Marvel. I don't really have a favorite between the two because I don't like to see them fighting each other. I'd like to see them coexist like, they had a few comics that they crossovered and coexisted before, but you know, team mentality that will probably never happen again because you can't just have a movie come out without saying the other one's terrible. You literally sent me a meme about that yesterday. Oh, that that meme was about uh, people saying that like if something new comes out for something you like, just accept it, and it's like. Yeah, you can accept it to show appreciation that your con your your favorite thing is still getting content, but at the same time, it's it's sometimes worth criticism. Like you know, look at Avatar: The Last Airbender. People don't really want to acknowledge that the movie happened, and now people don't want to acknowledge that the Netflix show is happening because they just released the character bios this week. I saw that, and it sounds like they're rewriting it into a school setting. So it's like. The, the meme was just saying, like, oh, just be happy that your stuff is still getting content. And it's like, you just got to direct their attention to Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's like, are you happy your stuff is still getting content? <laughs> uh, that was a, also another tangent just to explain the meme. Uh, yeah, passion is just games, hosting, comic books above all. I have did not do a tally. I probably hit 3,000 comics read in my life by now. That would be interesting to see the tally one day. Yeah, I told myself I would go and just copy and paste a bunch of comic book titles into like a Word doc and see how many lines it is. It wouldn't take too much effort, but it would obviously be a labor of love. <laughs> Another thing about comics that's super interesting is that you learn so much vocabulary for comics. And you have this giant word list. I don't even know the last time you looked at it. I haven't added too much to it, yeah. But definitely expanded my vernacular thanks to it. It's a lot of words that 
I just run into while reading comics, and I like to save it to the side and eventually go back and learn them. Yeah, I'm scrolling through it now, like the word vapid or virility. Let's scroll back up. <laughs> vapid is a gay term, too, <laughs> or just like a not nice term that we use all the time. But I see oh. pedagogy on here, peregrine. Yeah, well, I'm sorry to say an offensive word then. Uh, indemnify. Oh, uh, we just we call people vapid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised Emma Frost hasn't called someone vapid, honestly. <laughs> Knuckers on here, laconic. Indemnify. Ambigan is being thrown around a lot these days. Ambigan, people didn't really have a word for it in comic books, and now it's being used everywhere in like TV shows and comic books. Oh, sublimates on here. That's one of my favorite words. <laughs> tet -tet. Of course. Uh... Yeah, what else is actually interesting? Oh, auspicious is on here. Diegetically. I forgot what diegetically was. Dysmorphia, that's interesting that that's on here. But for those out there who don't understand why it's cool to read comics, you learn cool words sometimes. And knowledge is power and all that other fun stuff. Indeed. Yeah. So other than like all these fandoms and interests that you're into, because I'm sure more will come up as we talk anyway, you're kind of like well known around the con circuit, at least in the area. How would you say being a part of that world helped change your life? For con life. It's definitely a cause and effect. I'm only known because I like to host things and get myself out there. But it definitely started when I was still shy and sheltered. And my ex-girlfriend from college, well, from high school through college, showed me conventions for the first time. So that was Otakon, jeez, 2014? I think that was my first convention. 2014? Oh, sorry. That was completely wrong. <laughs> I was like, that was my 2000. First yeah, 2004. I was off by a whole decade. Wow. Yeah, Otakon 2004. There you go. I don't know why I messed that one up. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Showed up. It was very interesting. I was a cringy kid walking around because I, I was dressed in Hot Topic and I wasn't even dressed well in Hot Topic because, you know, I was dressing myself with allowance money not like an actual job money so it's like not the best look but, but doesn't that's... that mean you kind of fit into in a way i guess that is uh the high school look for a lot of people though you know we all aren't able to dress the way we like only the fortunate ones a lot of hand-me-downs that's for sure I and mean, then like i just put it through on a hand-me-down and a hot topic pants <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I'm just describing that it was I was cringy walking around conventions, but it was enjoyable. And eventually I did cosplay and you know, it's just the same thing you see today. You have the young people who are trying to cosplay, but unfortunately they can't afford the means to make a good cosplay. So cosplay Death the Kid with a woman's jacket and white stripes like glued over it. So that was Death the Kid from Soul Eater. I did 
Shimon, shoot, I forgot how to pronounce the name. Shimon? Shimon from Gurren Logan. That was cool. That was good at the time. We did a color guard routine with Gurren Logan flags. I think I have the video saved somewhere, but we performed on the Otakon Masquerade stage. You've had a guard video this whole time and you haven't shared it with me. People, I've been trying to hunt down his like guard video since I met him like six years ago. We'll get into that later, but. <laughs> I should still have it saved somewhere. I thought I showed it to you, but it was good. We were on stage. I didn't mess up even though I was a novice. The, the Yoko, the girl cosplaying Yoko, it had years of experience on me and she accidentally messed up a toss. Unfortunate. But it was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. How would you say being a part of cons changed your life? Yeah, I was sheltered, shy, but I met people and that's what I like about conventions. You go to the right ones and emphasis on the right ones, unfortunately. You got to do your research. But you go to the right ones and you can belong lack of a better term i'm actually gonna just go ahead and jump into the next question that i already see you have for me what would you recommend to new people about to attend cons for the first time find the good sociable cons there are definitely party conventions but then there are the sociable ones so i've always classified otakon as top social convention it is a little pricey these days i I doubt they're still selling their weekend pass for $100, but I know that was a big deal a couple years ago. But Otakon, I've always put on a pillar to people to say, I can go into any hallway at Otakon, sit down next to someone, and make a friend immediately. It's just the atmosphere of Otakon. And, and good news, everyone. Well, by the time this airs, it'll have already passed. But it's only $85 for the whole weekend as of right now, June 23rd, 2021 for 2021 year. Again, it'll pass by that time, but hey, the price went down. Yeah, nice. And I think that's still next month. Like they're still be, they were able to recover post pandemic. And yeah, it's a good social con. And I was not to dog on any other conventions, but the other big one in this DC metropolitan area is Katsukon. However, Katsukon is known as the cosplay and party convention because it has scenery like the shoreline and the gazebo, the infamous gazebo, and also their... Wait, shoot. What do you call their ground floor? Not pavilion. Mountain area? Yeah, the fountain area, but there's an actual term for what that room is. Atrium? Is yes, atrium? I think everyone, it's hosted at the Gaylord in National Harbor. Just Google it, you'll find it. It's the whole thing yeah. that show photos of. Yeah, gorgeous scenery. So people love to take their top tier, most maximum effort cosplays there, you know, there, and there's other conventions like Dragon Con, sure. But they like to take them there, and then at the same time, because it is the Gaylord Hotel, it lends itself to partying, so people also like to party a lot there. And that's... From doing Host Club, I can already say right now, whoever's listening, partying's not for everyone, cosplay's not for everyone. So that's why I recommend Otakon as a sociable convention, because, like I said, I could just... 
take a load off and sit down in any hallway, see a bunch of people playing on their like switches or DSs, and I just turn to my left or my right, and I'm just saying, "Hey, what are you playing?" And I just instantly made a friend. Otakon is good like that. And like I said, not to dog on any other conventions, but it's just the atmosphere is different between them. No, that's super cool to know because like I've actually never been to Otakon. But, oh yeah, that's why. Because it's always during band camp, everyone. <laughs> so it's always the weekend, like, literally smack dab in the middle of my band camp. So I'm like, I don't have time to, like, I can't take off band camp because the kids, you know, have to learn everything in band. And it's a hassle. But also it was in Baltimore for a while. Now it's in D.C. for controversial opinions. But <laughs> not they didn't have controversial opinions. The fandom of Otakon became controversial about it. Because despite the fact that I've never been, I know a lot of people that go. Mm -hmm. So you're also a host and butler for many of these cons and events. Can you actually describe it for people better than how I botched it earlier? Yeah, it's good to finally get to this question because this will also help answer the previous questions because I didn't want to I didn't want to get ahead of ourselves. No worries. Get ahead of the wagon too quickly and get run over. But for hosts and butlers, butler is easier to explain. Uh, maid cafes are a thing in the world, primarily Japan. Uh, maid cafes is seen in much more anime than host clubs are. But maid cafe is you go and you have cute maids acting cute and just treating you like a friend. You can't touch them, of course. No touchy. That's more for host club. But it's still the experience of getting a cute maid to give you food, to cheer you on, to do funny dances. Well, not funny dances. Funny chants. They call it blessing your food. So they'll like do hand gestures and then like spirit fingers for example at your food to say oh your food now tastes better and it's just part of the experience of having someone cute as your server for the evening or afternoon but butlers are also there because you know guys can be involved as well because guys can be cute too yeah in the butler persona there's also obviously men as mates and nothing wrong with that at all on my side, on the butler side, actually, we're the we're the less popular side because obviously, if you go to a maid cafe, you prefer to get a maid than a butler. <laughs> That's just knowing your audience. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still cool because it's a little bit more sprightly than just being a. I don't want to dog on anyone, but like a TGI Fridays server, you know. I'm coming in, just clap your hand and say. Hello, welcome everyone. How are you doing? How's your weekend? You know, it's at a convention always. So, you know, they'll have stories to tell. And sometimes they haven't been able to tell those stories. So it's nice to see their face light up when you want to hear their experience or you want to hear what their favorite anime or you want to hear what their favorite video game is or what they're watching right now. And then Take it back to how would I describe the role of hosts and butlers at conventions. Uh, I have a friend described it best. It's basically acting like a social lubricant. So this is convention life 
we can't skirt past the fact that people might not be forward in their conversations. People might not be outgoing, extrovert. And that's why they thrive at conventions because they see other people of like-minded or like behaviors. And you go to a cafe or a club in which a host or butler is there. And I can just encourage you to communicate, encourage you to participate and just have a little fun. And so uh, that's why I like the social lubricant description best because if you... I've been trying not to say socially awkward, but if you're socially awkward, you know, like <laughs> we are there to make you feel like you belong. We are there to make you feel happy and to serve. You know, I like to, I like to say the tagline when I introduce myself, I live to serve. I aim to please. Honestly, some people do like fake personas when they are their mates or butlers. And I tell people I'm just myself. So when I say I live to serve, I aim to please. That's really just me with my hosting mentalities just coming out in host club and or make cafes or but game then, nights yeah and then that that slightly slides into host club because i did not want to describe host club right away host club is the more 18 plus and or 21 plus depending on the beverages being served version of make cafe where one is cutesy and host club wants to be suave and that's a good way to describe it, the suave version. Yeah. Obviously, guys had to be kept on a tight leash, uh, especially with beverages, alcoholic beverages being involved. But my side of it, I just like to, again, help people to come out and have fun, you know, could have some games well actually that's more make cafe than host club but host club is really just being someone's date for an evening for lack of a better term yeah i was trying to think of how to say it too it's kind of hard to describe yeah it's being someone's date for evening for the lack of a better term but for me like I've been pouring it out for the last 40 so minutes that i just like to entertain people so for me it's not trying to well i mean i'll still woo and wow as best as i can but i just want them to speak up share how their days go and you know my hand on my palm face half cocked just looking at them and then just imagine that kind of suaveness and getting them to blush and enjoy themselves yeah you also like to talk to everyone including the people that are doing whatever they're doing <laughs> like some people go because sometimes at conventions it's like the only place open to eat and you i've seen go went over you talk to people that maybe are like just kind of there but i don't know you find a way to bring that atmosphere and spread it to all yeah definitely try just definitely been there been shy and sheltered and it's nice to have someone even though you paid to be there, it's nice to have someone really want to hear about your day, you know? And that's the thing that's people ask me like, what's my best icebreaker? Or even some people even ask like, what was my best pickup line? And there is none. There's, you can make jokes, but really it's just asking how's life and actually meaning it 
And then when they tell you how's their life, like you really just listen, understand, and respond. And I greatly enjoy doing that in all facets, not just in the club and cafe. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is how we get along so well, because <laughs> that's something we definitely share. Is... Actually, I was just talking to someone about this this weekend. Um, they were talking about like their life, and then all of a sudden they were like, oh my god, you were using like your work skills on me to make me talk more. And I was like, what? No, I wasn't. And she's like, I usually don't say that stuff to people. And then my friend who was sitting there was also a social worker. She's like, no, he wasn't. He's just that nosy. <laughs> like, naturally, he actually cared. So it's amazing, like, how you can change the world just by caring or listening if you don't actually care. <laughs> it's a funny way to leave it off there. <laughs> hey, and so... You return every year as a host butler, and it seems like you just add more things every year. So what drives you to just keep going back and doing all that? Oh yeah, adding more, yes. Uh, there were a couple years where I'd be in like four or five different cafes slash clubs. And it's going to make friends. I guess that's not entirely accurate because I actually don't, you know, exchange information with a lot because that's a no-no but i don't actually exchange information with a lot but is see it circles back into the way i like to host that's like my lifeblood comics first comics are my first lifeblood but then hosting is my second lifeblood and i love to host events and provide entertainment for people and I can do that at a convention and I can do that for people who normally wouldn't find themselves in that situation. And sure, you have the people who already acknowledge what Make Cafe and Host Club is and they go to be entertained and to have fun. But then you have the other people who are still, like I said, more shy, sheltered, socially awkward. And to see those people put themselves out there is pretty brave. Again, even though it is kind of being paid to have a date or being paid to have a friend, it's still brave of them. And just saying that out loud, I can already play through like a, a cinema reel of a number of guests that I waited on that did not come to a convention with friends, for example. They probably traveled far, uh, did not have the means to bring their friends with them or didn't have any friends who were in the same interests or people who were kind of too shy to really speak up with the loud voice but yeah they really stand out i enjoyed waiting on them so that's what really just keeps them coming back also i can say from people who just attend the clubs and cafes that they are it's usually a highlight of people's experiences at conventions when they do participate and for reasons exactly what you're what you're saying, I've gotten many many a review on <laughs> the work of all of you, and it was really people's highlights. It's definitely why I got dragged back every year, but <laughs> by people because oh, you people know Brad because he was on an episode already. Brad was one of the people that was like, oh my god, we gotta go, and I was like, all right, fine, whatever. 
And so Brad was like relishing in the experience. I was eating the French fries, you know, just how life goes. Wasn't a bad time. And I got to meet cool people as you see now. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I won't normally brag about it, but it is interesting to note that there are repeat. I really want to call them customers. They're like, there are repeat guests. Like they come back, they recognize me. They recognize that I'm, like I said, it, there was years where I did multiple cafes in a year. So it's like they catch me at another one. They'd be like, it's you from the other one. And then each one, we were supposed to have different names. We can't, we can't. Uh, Double dip in a name. Yeah, we can't show in any way that we're associated between the clubs and cafes. Each one has to have its own uh, roster. And But yeah, the people would recognize me across them. And it was, it was sweet. One time I even got tipped $20. That was the most I got tipped at once. I've been tipped multiple times. You're not tipping is not really part of the culture there, but you know, it, it's allowed, but that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, do you actually get to do you actually get to keep the tips? Yes. It yeah, it definitely depends on club and cafe. Uh some of them, I think the club would appreciate if they got it. I don't recall, honestly. I don't either, and that's why I wanted to know. But, no, thanks for sharing all that, because I always, like, ask you these things, and I feel like I got, like, a deeper, more understandable answer this time, and, yeah, now I kind of get your perspective, which is super cool. But, okay, another thing that's super cool about your life is that you're super, I keep saying super, sorry, is that you're really into video games. Can you describe your collection to people because it's, like, massive? Oh, video games is probably nothing different from people. I buy a lot of things on sale, and then I don't particularly play them. <laughs> uh, that is more modern stuff. Whenever a console goes defunct, however, I do try to create a massive multiplayer library or archive because like i said i love to host things so we are really skirting very closely to that like question that's like two questions away from now i just keep uh, skirting on it <laughs> breaking the illusion but by the time we get to that question it's like uh, it'll all be answered but anyway uh yeah very recently in this year of 2021, Sony announced that around July 1st, I think it was, that their PlayStation 3, PlayStation Portable, and PlayStation Vita store, so specifically the online store, is being shut down. Oh, yeah, have, I that. Yeah, they have since reversed that because it was such an unpopular decision. So they decided not to do that they're still going to do it one day like it's just the way the world is eventually that store will be taken offline and there's nothing you can complain about to do about it because uh, they have the power which makes sense on why i forgot it yeah but yeah they reversed the decision so it's still active but that is a good example of my video game collection because when the playstation 3 store was going down uh, I've since converted to doing digital. I know some people like physical copies of video games, but I've since converted to digital. And being barred from 
having digital copies of my favorite video games was a big no-no for me. So I bought a bigger hard drive, stuck it in my PlayStation 3, and went and bought like 30 PlayStation 3 games. Some of them I even had the physical copies of. But it was just for the fact of archiving like my favorite games and or multiplayer games so that just because it went offline, it's fine. And I know some people are listening and probably thinking about ROMs and emulation. And I support ROMs and emulation. It's definitely a big part of video game preservation. But for the PlayStation 3, I did not mind shelling out the money for. My principles are weird like that. However, (laughs) go on. (laughs) No, I was going to say, yeah, you definitely emulate, but we could touch on that later. Oh, yeah, I was just about to jump on that now. However, for example, Nintendo 64, (laughs) that is completely emulated. I went and bought... This is not sponsored. I went and bought an EverDrive. (laughs) And EverDrive is you stick an SD card in it, and your SD card can have Nintendo 64 games on it. So I have the entire Nintendo 64 game library on my SD card. and stuck it into the EverDrive, stuck it into my N64. And now I'm ready to host an N64 game night, which is actually pretty popular. Uh, nostalgia plays a big factor. People love N64. So it's nice to say I have all the games for it. And then it's the same because I built an emulation station. Man, that has been a while. I wonder how updated it is because I haven't stuck with it for years but emulation station is very similar to the same thing where you just put a bunch of roms on a sd card so i have all the multiplayer games for super nintendo sega genesis nintendo all for the purpose of game night like i said some arcade games and yeah i'm not really sure how else to explain my video game connection collection besides that but I will say every console has the max amount of controllers needed to play with friends. And yes. Yeah, N64. Fully equipped. Yeah. It's a broken record at this point, me just saying I like to host things. But yeah, N64, four controllers, PlayStation 4, four controllers, also four move controllers, because then you could play that game where you're hitting the move controller out of each other's hands called Joust. Yeah. That's a fun game. They play that a lot at conventions. Uh, Nintendo Switch, I have eight GameCube controllers. Most of them wireless because Smash Brothers Ultimate is a thing. And I really haven't hosted a lot of Smash Brothers game nights, but just the fact that I still have eight controllers at the ready makes me sleep ha- helps me sleep at night. So. <laughs> I would also like to say people, so Mike is very much like in a zone and not realizing. So every time I go to over his place and he's like, all right, what are we playing or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know. All of a sudden we have to pick a console, which there's like a billion. Then I got to scroll through all these video games. Half of them I've never heard of. I'm not saying I'm like a video game fanatic. So it could be like games everyone else knows, but still it's like pages upon pages upon pages of games per console. And it's like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you really have amassed a collection, whether it's buying the copy, emulating, ROMing, if they're the same thing, I don't even know. Yeah. Also, you got me some of my games that I never would have been able to get without your intervention, so I appreciate it. Yeah, 
I mean, there's an illegal side to ROMs, but also there's a not paying an exorbitant amount of monies to play Legend of Dragoon side of emulation. So that's a good side. <laughs> Guilty. And yeah, that translation of the Digimon game that technically was just fan made. Fan translated, yes. Yeah. It only came out in Japan, but someone made a patch. Digimon Adventure, the video game for PlayStation Portable. Very good. Got kind of grindy, but it was good. Yeah, it was surprisingly fun. And it literally plays through like the whole first season. So if you know the season of Digimon people, like it's actually very exciting. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's and... one of the benefits of emulation, because we'll never get that in English. <laughs> Nah, they've moved way past that season, especially with the reboot, which I still haven't watched since we last uh, attempted together. But, oh, another thing that Mike's super into that he for totally forgot to mention, wrestling. Yeah. God. I need to bring up comics because the comic serves as a segue. I grew up with comics and loving superheroes. So... Wrestling is the closest thing, in my opinion, to having a real-life superhero. You have these larger-than-life characters on your silver screen showing Herculean displays, or, you know, Xena-level displays, if, because <laughs> women, women's wrestling is a thing, too, and it's really good right now. Uh, but Herculean, Herculean displays of strength and agility and skill and flippy, flippy stuff. The flippy stuff is not popular with everyone, but obviously I'm a short statured person, average height. I'm not six feet, unfortunately. So I appreciate Rey Mysterio doing his flippy stuff around the ring. I'm actually probably taller than Rey Mysterio. That's pretty crazy. Is he really that short? Yes, unfortunately. Not judging Rey Mysterio. I'm just in awe. Because every time I see you like doing your thing, which I'll be honest, it's not that often. But I've never taken your height into consideration, so good job on you. Because I'll tell you this, me and Mike are around the same height. I love being short. Despite that you are, like, unfortunately not six feet, I love being short. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's not like being a heightist or anything. I don't mind. But some people put a little bit too much importance on height, so that's unfortunate. Oh, I agree. But it's reclaiming your whatever crap. So, who are your favorite wrestlers? I'm never prepared for this answer because the landscape of wrestling right now is very weird. Mm. It doesn't have to be current. It could have just been throughout life. Throughout life as a kid. Obviously, Rey Mysterio. He had that whole mask thing. I love mask wrestlers because, again, superhero. He, he was he was very much like a real life superhero when he had that mask on. And if there's any wrestling fan actually listening, they'd probably grown. But I grew up appreciating Chain Gang era John Cena when he became that Fruity Pebbles kind of character. They call him Fruity Pebbles because he wore like a different colored bright shirt of the rainbow like every week. Yeah. That era when he was uh, Super Cena, that was not my kind of era. But when he was the Chain Gang era, when he had an album, I I bought that album. I don't know. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually thinking if I still have that album. I think it was Thugonomics or something. But yeah, I love John Cena growing up. People will definitely grow now if they hear that, though. Uh, 
Modern wrestler, though, it's really hard. I like this guy. They call him the Swiss Superman. Again, comics, but I liked him before he was called Swiss Superman. But he's a very athletic person, Cesaro. Fun to YouTube his clips. And... There's like a big obvious one that I'm not thinking of right now, and it's really a shame. <laughs> well, while you think, I will point out, everyone, I looked up Rey Mysterio's height. He's taller than me, so... Good on him. It's just Good unfortunate. You, yeah, it's just unfortunate. They wrestling loves their tall folks. Well, WWE loves their tall folks, so he he looks a lot shorter than he is standing next to the six foot people. For those out there who care about my opinion on this too, no, my entire bias and the whole reason I follow wrestling is Sammy Guevara, which. I feel like makes people groan when I say it because they're like, oh, well, that makes sense. But no, I think he's super cool. Uh, I don't know if I told you, he did a cameo for me. That was exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's gotten some highlights. I think he's not getting the highlights right now because he's in a team field. So obviously they want to highlight the team, not the individual. But Inner circle. Yeah, recently they had a fight, Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle, and he was the one that won them the match. He was the one that did the last pin. So they they still throw him some bones. They're still prepping him up to be a star. So that's good. But yeah, now that you mentioned AEW, the other wrestling company, you know, the big two, just like DC and Marvel, it's WWE and AEW. I, I do like Kenny Omega, even though that will also make people grow. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a knack for telling stories in the ring, so I appreciate that. The thing I've noticed a lot about wrestling for those not into it, like, there is storylines going on. Ignore the train world if you could hear it. But um, there are storylines, and honestly, wrestling is meant to be over the top, that it comes across sometimes just super petty, and I think it's hilarious. Like, AEW oh, yeah. buying, like, commercial time during WWE's, like, thing, hilarious. And they just used the whole minute to like trash WWE and say, oh, by the way, we have a thing next week. Thanks. Bye. Out. Yeah, actually, I doubt anyone's going to do it. But Last Week Tonight by John Oliver had a wrestling episode. So that's worth watching. The other thing is there's a YouTube essayist, video essayist, named Super Eyepatch Wolf. And he's got like a three-part series right now on wrestling and what makes wrestling so special and if i could just randomly plug those two those are very good watches because not only is it larger than life but you actually grow up with these people the fact that they're filmed on a weekly basis and you're watching these characters on a weekly basis means you're actually growing up with them and that's a very neat thing that super eye patch wolf more eloquently puts than i did not sponsored by either of them, but happy to have you name drop them. <laughs> and if one day they do hear about this, hey, awesome. Feel free to comment message in all the places that I said before. The Shape of a Star podcast, uh, most places. Yeah. yeah. So you're also, you haven't really mentioned it too much, but you also have such a big board game collection as well. Yeah, that 
definitely grew because I learned early on that board games gets you a lot more social activity than video games. So playing board games together really brings out, you know, the energy in people and that's great. Oh, and it just hit me. I didn't say who my favorite female wrestlers were, but it's probably Sasha Banks. We'll just throw that in there. <laughs> Britt Baker is nice too, but I'm not probably not number one in the world right now, but but yeah, so I didn't know that the board games actually brought out the more social side of people either. Yeah, it, you have your social deception games. It's a very bad title, but it's a very fun game, Secret Hitler. Oh, social deception. That makes sense as a genre. Yeah, that's like your Mafia, your One Night Werewolf games. But I think Super... No, not Super. Secret. Secret Hitler is the best version of any social deception game at the moment. It just evolved on everything else that came before it and made a good, balanced, and fun game, in my opinion. But, good and balanced, I will agree with, but the world knows. <laughs> One Night at Werewolf game? Love. Obsessed. Fun for being chaotic. I also like... I'm a big fan of Resistance or Avalon. They have this two versions of the same game. Slight differences, but Resistance or Avalon is great. But yeah, board games. It started with Resident Evil deck building game. My friend Chris introduced me to it, and then I fell in love with the fact that I was inviting people over to play it. And then it just evolved from there to like Small World, King of Tokyo, uh, Resistance, Exploding Kittens. I'm trying to think of the timeline. Like I could list off the games, but I'm trying to think of the early ones I got. Those are a bit, definitely the big highlights. I still play them to this day. Legendary. Marvel Legendary. I was say, it's a Marvel game I think you're thinking of. Marvel Legendary deck building game. They've had like 20 expansions. I've bought them. I bought them all, but like the last two. Uh, deck building games are definitely my main genre. Not for everyone. That makes mm. sense with the Yu-Gi-Oh! past. And... Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good board games. Cash and Guns. I just played Cash and Guns at a get-together recently. You just point foam guns at each other, and it's like uh, you're fighting for the loot. So you're trying to intimidate people to believe you actually have a bullet when you probably don't because the, the game gives you more blanks than actual bullets, and it's fun. So it's promoting a Russian roulette type violence. No, I'm totally joking. But <laughs> but since we're finally at the question that you've been waiting for, you love hosting events and making sure they're all the, to the nines. Care to describe that as well as those who have no idea what I'm talking about, basically, or have no idea about your game nights? Yeah, game nights. I did them on a monthly basis. At one point, I even did them on a weekly basis. And even with the pandemic happening, I still did them on a weekly basis. It's kind of teetered off at this moment because people are busy. But even during the pandemic, we still did Tabletop Simulator on a weekly basis. And game nights in general are just me going through my games. And it's quite a bit of them. Like I said, I have a master multiplayer collection across many consoles and inviting them over and playing either games we're familiar with or games we're, that are very foreign to us. 
the whole point is have fun. If we're repeating games, then we're just having the good same old fun. If we're getting new games, then it's new experiences for everyone. More of the merrier. I always intend to invite like enough to play like a six player game. And then there are nights where it ends up being like 12 plus people because more of the merrier. But that's why even my house is equipped with like multiple setups, multiple areas with which to play. And one of the big ones was also VR game nights. Uh, VR is definitely not something foreign to people at this point. A few years back, I could definitely say not many people had adopted it. But VR these days, a lot of people listening will probably have seen like Beat Saber, for example. And Beat Saber is fun. But the, my approach to it is that I think it's kind of boring to watch one person play at a time. So my game room setup is actually set up with two TVs with two PCs connected to each TV with two VR headsets, one connected to each TV and PC. So now you can I can invite friends over and instead of watching one person dungeon crawl through I guess not dungeon crawl, fight waves of enemies in... Why are all the names? Swords and Sorcery. There you... Wait, no, Swords and Sorcery is a single-player game. Why is that one game escaping my mind? Anyway, the idea is instead of watching one person play VR, which is not very fun. I know people have done it. I know people listening have done it. Like at the mall, you can actually play VR with a friend. Oh, yeah. You can. And let me tell you people, like I keep saying, Mike does not do anything like half-butted. Like when I say to the nines, I mean like rigs to hold all these like wires above your head. Um, disinfectant wipes before they were popular for all these <laughs> headsets. <laughs> yeah. Buy them in bulk, wipe it down after everyone uses it. I learned that from conventions, from watching VR handle or VR be handled at conventions. You know, yeah, you wipe off the makeup and or sweat. And it's not even just like the actual providing of the entertainment, the entertainment on its own. Because every time I hear it, I think of Little Mix and their night hosting. Shout out to Little Mix, not sponsored by them either. But uh, no, you also like make sure that there's like plenty of food. And people are well fed. Well, drink. Oh, non alcoholic, sometimes alcoholic options. Oh, it's just you go really far to make sure that there's something for everyone happening at once. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a money sink. But if I can entertain people, I'm happy. <laughs> And definitely we have our themes. I think that's what your question was trying to get at, like the different kinds of events. There's definitely themes. Like if people are a fan, are known to play Overcooked, there was a Overcooked-themed game night where we did play Overcooked and also a VR cooking game. I think it's called Cookout. There's one called Cookout where you're feeding mice, and there's another one called Di VR Diner something. It's not Diner Dash. Diner Duel. VR Diner Duel. That was also very fun. But yeah, on the Overcooked game night, just to express one example of theme game nights, 
I got everyone chef's hats and chef aprons, disposable, of course. And then we definitely had different stations around my kitchen with one ingredient. And the idea was you'll just make a chaotic dish. So there was like burgers, there was spaghetti, but the ingredients were all sprawled across the room. And like you had just 20 seconds to make a dish. And then we'd like spin the wheel to see who gets your concoction. Either like you, some people may like just a nice looking burger or a nice looking spaghetti dish or salad. But some people got like a spaghetti burger and then, you know, that was unfortunate, but that was just part of the chaos and eventually you can get your revenge on them later in the night. But yeah, that's just one of the themes overcooked game night. Why is this making me hungry? Even the spaghetti burger. I'm like, you know, that doesn't sound horrible. Yeah, it really just sounds like a sloppy joe. That's a good point. Yeah, it could be that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I also had taco ingredients there. So I think there's a spaghetti taco as well, of course. <laughs> Those are amazing. I actually had one for the first time during the pandemic, and holy crap, life changed. <laughs> but yeah, I actually forgot you had theme nights. I just know that like some like it's some it's not even just a night half the time, people. Like when he says monthly, like there are ones that went for the whole weekend. Starts Friday night. Or sometimes even like midday Friday, and it goes until like Sunday during the sunset. Yeah, I don't personally call them ragers, but some people call them ragers. I guess that is kind of what it is, though. If it's an endless uh, party situation, but at least we do do more games than drinking. But there is a lot of drinking, so I can't, I can't deny that. <laughs> eh, I don't know. Not everyone there drinks. Very true. Yeah. Just those who like to indulge you get to do it. But mm-hmm. something that wasn't planned for me to talk about with you either, but hey, why not throw it in here? Because I know you can handle it. So something you were very resistant to when I was recommending it for life, but you eventually tried it, and now you're also a DM for Dungeons & Dragons. Tell us about that journey. I played a campaign... A year and six? No. Pandemic was just starting. A year and four or five months ago. Three months ago would have been the start of the pandemic. March 2020. We could just say it that way. Because remember, this is going to premiere way later. Yeah, you're right, actually. Man, time flies. But I had just done my first campaign. And... It was fun. The DM side is just me continuing this motif of I grew enamored by something that I could provide fun for someone else. <laughs> so after playing, so it was from March to August. I played two short campaigns from March to August. And then after only five months, I decided to make my own campaign. And I have now DM for six people. We just added a seventh. But we are coming up on our one year in August. August 5th is our one year. But only five months in, not a lot of experience, but I still did my studying. And I had people helping me out with the logistics and the rulings. But it was just another example of someone showing me something like like the Resident Evil deck building game that started my board game love. It was just this friend, Colin, Brian, and company showing me D&D. And then I was like, this is just something else I can host. 
and it is nerve-wracking at times, but it is enjoyable to still keep the campaign going this long. I don't know. It's kind of a feat too. D and D's not easy to DM for, and it you started DMing so early on in your D and D career, as they say. So again, I think it also has to do with, like you said earlier, you like to host things and create fun for other people. But I also think it has to do a lot with your attention to detail and commitment to things. You don't have ash it. Try not to. There are some days where it's definitely uh, I haven't I haven't really sped up combat. Combat still feels slow. I've I won't self-deprecate too much. Combat has definitely gone a lot faster than since I started in August, eight, ten months ago. But it still feels slow at times. Well, a lot. I will say, like as someone who's DM'd and someone who's played, combat speed is not really only on one person. It is the group as a whole. That that is very true. Yeah, people have to be ready to take their turns. Because I've been that person that had too many spells to figure out at a time. Like, uh, it, yeah, I've also been on the other end where I'm like, oh my god, just stealth and hit. <laughs> all you do, rogue. But it's all good, because in the end, we all have a fun time and just live life. So another follow-up to that is, what ideal race class would you want to be if you were playing a character as yourself? Like, if you were taken and thrown into Fair Feyrun, whatever the D&D world is, and you could manifest as anything you want, what would you be? Because I know you, and you are very meticulous with choosing these things as well. Huh, that is not a question I've studied personally, so that's interesting. Because I, I'd want to give a good answer. The the way I've picked my characters thus far is I just focus on something fun. But if you're asking me like to see myself in the world, yeah. to see myself in the world, I don't know what even comes close to having my personality. Is that the Vidalkin are known to be dispassionate, but I think some of them can have emotion. <laughs> of course, you can't. Obviously, you have emotion. <laughs> yeah. You've been talking about your passions and interests here. Yeah, a lot of tangents. Uh, Asimar, Fallen doesn't make sense, I don't think. Or whatever their lore is. Celestial is falling. I've never played a satyr. But I'm just scrolling through the list of races. That is that a little too? Huh. That's actually an interesting question. Uh, I guess it could be a satyr because you know when people ask me my favorite Keyblade in Kingdom Hearts, I always say Divine Rose. That's not a that's not a very obvious one. I think when you look at me and know me, Divine Rose. Or if you ask me my favorite evolution, I'll say Sylveon. I don't think that one's also expected of me. It wasn't so, when you told me that. <laughs> so just the fact that my favorite Keyblade is like Divine Rose, my favorite evolution is Sylveon. I think just I'm scrolling through different races. I think me as a satyr makes sense. Nice. 
So that's your race. Now what's your class? Class. I have a soft spot for Sorcerer only because I started playing Sorcerer. Oh, that's exciting. I have recently been returning to 5e and I was I'm loving Warlock. I it's just so much easier than expected to be. Because hmm. nice. for those who haven't actually I haven't spoken about this before. I usually play Pathfinder, not DD, but then Geek Therapeutics asked me to be on their bi-weekly geek therapist streams. So I hopped on, I joined, it's a grand old time. You can check it out on their Twitch. Go to their website, follow them everywhere. You'll find all that jazz. Or follow us and you'll hear about it from me. But, yeah. So a sorcerer satyr. Yeah, I haven't played satyr, so that's kind of cool too. So the thing I'm excited to ask about too is, since this will wait, wait, no. Since this will air long after your birthday party that's being planned this year, <laughs> can you describe it to people? Oh, you know, you know, I thought about this question. I think I'll just explain it in earnest honestness, because honestly, I don't think I'm going to express every bit of my sentiments at the event itself, because I don't think I will be that open, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'll deep dive into it and say we are going to have a barbecue. It's been dubbed the barbecue to a number of people, but it's also been dubbed Field Day. Uh, what was the other one? It's been dubbed a number of things because I'm trying to hide a secret, and that secret is the main event. So it is being disguised as a barbecue, and I'm using my belated birthday celebration as an excuse to apply social pressure so people show up, you know. And the gist of it is I've amassed an armory of live action roleplay weapons and gear and armor over the last one or two years. It has taken a lot out of my wallet. Uh, I have a feeling one or two people will actually listen to this podcast that are close to me. So I guess I have no trouble revealing now that I've spent over $2,000 to make this event happen. What? Yeah, that's including the weapons and and just all of the other logistics of getting this event happening. And just knowing when this is coming out, I don't, I don't think I have any issue saying it because that will be far in the future now and the event exactly. will have already passed. Yeah. It's uh, in two weeks, people. I spent over 2000 to make this happen and it's basically the it's been on my bucket list to host a live action role play event, LARPing event. Although I say live action role play, we won't do a whole lot of role play. It's mostly just hitting each other with weapons like dagger here or Amtgard. So dagger here or Amtgard if you google them are actual live action tournaments where you can beat each other with foam weapons. So I really just want that fun because there's just going to be too many people to actually do a proper role play because everyone will want to be the hero. But yeah, it's uh, we're going to have a barbecue. Eventually, the main event is going to be revealed that 
I have enough weapons for two armies. It'll basically be like 14 versus 14. So imagine 28 people on a field hitting each other or shooting each other with foam weapons and arrows. And yeah, it's been on my bucket list and it's something I've always wanted to host. And again, uh, this is just the summation of everything we've been talking about where I love to host. So this is like the biggest hosting event. Uh, I love to have themed things. So this is just another big theme things. And then I like to see people have fun. And also it just gives the chance to people to be heroes. <laughs> so you're saying I should get a kilt? Honestly, I expected someone to wear a kilt because it's summer. Oh, my Digimon want to be fed. They're beeping at me. Yes, Digimon, the Tamagotchis of the more fun digital age. But yeah, so now I have another question, which has honestly nothing to do with the rest of the world, but just something I guess I should ask you while I'm thinking of it. So if you have enough weapons for 14 and 14, does that mean I should leave my thing at home? No, because I'm also getting my own specialty weapon, so it's technically 15 versus 14. <laughs> Oh, cool. Okay, so cool. I'll even it out and whew, okay, Yeah, cool. people kept asking me. They looked at all the foam weapons. So like there's a flail. So it's really cool because you have this foam thing on like uh a a chain made of noodles, basically. Pool noodles. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. You have an axe, so it's like a foam weapon but shaped like an axe, which is really good for peeling people's shields out of their hands. If you can imagine if anyone listening can imagine that, like just do it pickaxe style, like you just dig the axe onto the side of the shield and just yank it off their arm. I have swords of varying length from a knife, which is less than a foot, all the way up to a cloud strife sized sword. And yeah, I know that will be, I know that will be the most popular because uh, some of the people I've already shown these weapons to and they love holding the cloud strife sword because it's so light because it's foam. But then I also have upwards of an eight-foot spear. I have uh, recently acquired. You play Dynasty Warriors, Guan Yu, like the whole glaive. <laughs> I I recently acquired a glaive because like I just didn't think my armor my armory was enough. Uh, bow and arrow shields of different uh, shapes. So you know you have your circle shields like Captain America. You have your kite shields, which is like the 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 shields with like the cross on it and the full trim edges. It looks like a kite, people. Just imagine a kite on a shield. Yeah, yeah. Like a pentagon. <laughs> Upside down pentagon. Uh, like a coat of arms. Yeah. Where was I going with this? I was listing all these weapons and then just to say... Oh yeah, a lot of people kept asking me where's the hammer? They're just like, they expected to have like a giant foam hammer. And so I went out and I bought a specialty giant foam hammer, but I only was, I only wanted to pay for one. So, <laughs> so that's why it's 15 versus 14. Cause that's going to be my special weapon, a, a two handed war hammer. So you're saying people are already asking you about the event. How many people know? Unfortunately, maybe a dozen now, because I really didn't think this event was happening anytime soon. I honestly thought we would not be allowed to amass outside for an event because of the pandemic until like winter of this year. And obviously that would be too late to host an outdoor event like this. If for it was... you, because you're cold all the time. For me, I'd love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so a good dozen, if you go upwards a bit, like maybe 16 people know, but I am inviting, like, I'm pretty sure 40 people will show up to this event because I am reaching across all my circle of friends, like the ones, like you said, in the con circuit area or my Yu-Gi-Oh friends or board game friends. I have a friend coming in from Texas. I have two friends coming from New York. No, that's incorrect. One is coming from New York. One is coming from New Jersey. It's just the New York one is picking up the New Jersey one. I have a friend coming from Florida. I have a friend coming from South Carolina. Like I, I called in all like the, all of the deep conversations, deep bro moments, deep friends, like deep, uh, good feels in these people, and I'm like. This is it, people. This is the event. Like, I'm probably never going to host something like this again. We'll see if that's true. But it's like, I I need all of you here to celebrate this with me. And Aww. that's why it, you saw the, the teaser for the event page. I actually was going to give a speech, which some of the parts of the speeches have actually trickled out in, into this podcast. Like, the whole me explaining how I got to be video game president, for example, uh, that was actually going to be that was that was why I was saying like I reflected on multiple milestones in my life because I was going to give a speech in which I was trying to tell my friends from my heart, which I guess this podcast is going to do a better job because if I give the speech at the event, it'll sound like I'm just grandstanding. But for anyone listening right now, like from my heart, I'm really trying to say I appreciate all of you for being my friends because without friends I can't host anything right like I can't host the one person event just me myself and I I need friends to be able to fill my second lifeblood which is second only to comic books and yeah that's basically I was going to give that speech at the event and I'm telling you now because like I said I'm not sure I'm actually going to give the speech because I will be up there for like three or four minutes a good two minutes of me is just prefacing by saying all these things I used to do for hosting people, like having all these controllers and stuff and bringing controllers, consoles to school, bringing VR to people's houses. But then the last two minutes would be me turning it around and saying, I can't do this without you people. And I, I love friendship because of that. Oh, <laughs> Mike, quick plug everyone. So, Although Mike's speech was very, very nice, I have to remember that Birds of a Feather Communications is a content and copy business dedicated to making your ideas stand out through catchy and creative writing, a.k.a. they could write the speech, Mike, if you give them a quick like thing. I know the guy that runs it. He also made the website for the Shape of a Star podcast, people. But they specialize in all sorts of written products, including sales copies, website content, social media captions, speeches, and more. If you have something to say, Birds can help you say it. In order to... Please order or learn more. Check them out at contentbybirds.com or look them up on Facebook under Birds of a Feather Communications, comma, LLC. Still don't know what LLC stands for, but the world does. And when you go and place an order, mention the promo code STAR. That's in all caps for some reason. I don't know why, if that matters. To get in your order and you get something special, which I don't know yet. So surprise to me too, world. So yeah, Mikes, if you <laughs> want help writing that speech, let me know because he's a two-day turnaround. Well, dang. That is a pretty good turnaround. I've mostly been just thinking about the speech when I drive, which I don't drive very often. So 
I'm trying not to think about it too much because I'll be disappointed if I don't give it, you know? <laughs> well, you gave it here and it kind of felt really cool. So <sighs> we'll just see. The thing is, like I said, it's just to be grandstanding. We'll see if 40 people actually want to stand there for like four minutes listening to me do that spiel. Okay, well, for the do it while we have ice cream. Oh, yeah, that's the other surprise. Uh, that obviously uh, this thing is happening in the future. But yeah, I got an ice cream truck. That That is why this event is costing over $2,000 and upwards of $3,000. <laughs> Look, okay, I'm sorry. I know the ice cream truck was, I think it was originally my idea that was really pushing because I really wanted ice cream. No, I thought but, about it. It's all good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm excited for this ice cream truck. And I hope they're soft served. We've been having issues trying to contact Mr. Softy World. If you know it, you know. Yeah, that would have been great because In the Heights just came out and there was a Mr. Softy with a different spelling, I think. But it was a Mr. Softy in the. Actually, it was the right spelling because I was like, isn't that the wrong spelling? And I Googled it, it was the right spelling. Okay, cool. Yeah, I thought it would have been really funny to have Mr. Softy at the event, but. Apparently, they haven't been replying to emails. Nah. So, Mr. Softy, if you are listening out there, you lost out on a deal, and I still stand you for life. And <laughs> please, and there's a new Mr. Softy truck driving around where I live. Please come. <laughs> come and be patient while I run down, like, four flights of stairs to get to you. But enough about me. Back to you, Mike. So, or actually, it's about us this last question. Oh, wait, no. Can you make reverse on that? What predictions do you think will come out of this event? Your birthday, the barbecue. Uh, I've been trying to account for everything. Like I, you, you were there to help me book the park. I booked a park from ten to eight, and I picked such a big ass window. Well, I shouldn't say that. I picked to pick such a big window because I didn't know what would happen, but. My predictions are people will tire out of hitting each other after only like one or two rounds. And unfortunately, my big gimmick, my big bucket list item of hosting an event in which people hit each other with foam weapons uh, will probably be lackluster. But I am inviting some competitive-minded friends, like my Yu-Gi-Oh friends, for example. So I think they will keep the spirit going. Why don't you just have a tournament-style thing, too? I didn't think about that, too, because there is a Orc Ball that's played at actual LARP events. So Orc Ball is very much going to be on the itinerary. Yeah, there's a bunch of games planned. Honestly, I don't think we're going to get to them all, because, like I said, I think people are going to tire themselves out. But it is definitely going to be Capture the Flag, Orc Ball, which Orc Ball is just... Like rugby with swords, basically. Uh, the game I invented called the Fellowship, in which you have to escort one guy holding a dinky knife across the field while orcs attack your fellowship. Oh! And the fellowship gets like HP stats, basically, but the orcs get one hit or two hit kills. I think one hit would be too annoying, but the the orcs die in two hits, but the the fellowship will have HP that they have to keep track of and be honest about. Yeah, it's a number of uh, events. And then, I don't know, I think... 
I think it'll be fun. I don't think it's going to rain because I've checked the weather, so that's good. I just think people will eat too much, and then they'll be too tired to play. So that's the unfortunate thing. But I think the ones that do play will have fun. I think it sounds like a grand old time in the making, and I hope you're right. World, if you want to know how the predictions turned out, because it'll happen way later when you hear about this, remember message us comment all that stuff i'd love to tell you about it or and if you guys really actually can i'll just bring mike back on let him explain it himself hmm. and that one i'll just probably just shoehorn in to be like okay people need people want answers but yeah so the final question actually has to do with us since you brought up friendship and all that crap okay so you've described us in the past as opposite ends of pragmatic and dreamer care to describe what that means to people in your perspective pragmatic would be down to earth and a realist or seeing things from a practical point of view sorry point of view is not correct from a, a practical approach and dreamer would be head in the clouds and seeing things from possible point of views where, you know, I think pragmatic playing into being practical is you're, you're trying to think of what's probable and then acting on what's probable. If I had a scenario, I could, I'm actually not quick at thinking my feet about a scenario, but I guess crossing a road pragmatic would just be timing the cars right and moving dreamer would probably be like what 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 fun can we do with crossing the road <laughs> i was literally thinking i was like what split leap can i bust out of trying to cross this road yeah see exactly that explains it you're the dreamer i'm the pragmatic not that i can't have dreamer moments like me with this da dang gosh darn event <laughs> And I don't know. Cool. We all have tendencies. Everything's a spectrum. People go with it. Happy Pride Month. But <laughs> um, yeah, because you know, life's just cool that way. But yeah, that brings us to the end of our main portion of the program. Are you ready for the rapid fire questions? Oh, shoot. Sure. All right. Remember, world, these are questions that the people do not get ahead of time. And they're just supposed to answer as best as they can and all that excellent stuff. Here we go. What are your chosen coping skills? Comics. Yeah. Pick a side. Lancaster or York. I'm not familiar with it either. <laughs> you don't have to be. You just have to pick a side. Lancaster? Where do you stand on the Oxford comma? 100% required. If I told you to bring a pie to pie day, what kind of pie would you bring? I immediately thought of my cat nicknamed Pie. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's it's since in the care of my parents, for anyone listening who knows, but yeah, he's adorable. I mean, that counts as a pie. Yeah. Yeah, he's nicknamed Pi. His full name is Pudentator the Fourth Esquire. 
initial spell out pi. Mm -hmm. So I'm submitting that as your answer because I think it's hilarious. Um, what is an innocent phrase that you have mistakenly or subconsciously weaponized? I'm not sure I fully understand. And I've heard you ask this question before. What is it like sarcastically asking? It could be. It's just like something you say that you didn't mean to sound as harsh as it ended up. Or even in a bad way at all. And it was taken bad. I don't really have one, but the most recent one was I asked someone about their major. And they said math. And I was like, oh, I hear people go far with that. Did you go far? And uh, the rest of the room laughed. Apparently, I, that's an awkward way to ask it. I didn't realize. I still don't realize. Uh, I think it's hilarious, but I don't think it's bad. Yeah, apparently. I guess said in a certain way, it's bad. Well, if you think no why it's bad, people message us and flame us. I'll share it with my <laughs> happily. Um, what's a trend that went too far? TikTok. Do more specifically doing ridiculous things for views. You know, yeah, that's, that's been, beyond TikTok too. But yeah, yeah, that's been around forever. Attention, people. Showboating. All those things Mike said earlier that he hates. <laughs> or if not, you've alluded to hating. I'll say it. You hate it. But yeah. Um, if you could rule an established country or territory in this world, where and why? I, my, I, I mean, it's a lightning round, I guess. I immediately jumped to Japan because they have their you know, they have their stuff together, but they could still be approved upon as far as work ethic goes. Work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. If you were the pageant contestant or someone with a large platform, what would be your philanthropy or cause? I feel like I already do charity events, because I go in the red with every event I host. Almost every event I host. But... Yeah, I feel like I already do charity events. You just put a label on it on the front, like this is for starving children, or this is for uh, better working conditions or better neighborhood conditions. Uh, <laughs> so pick a cause. Pick a cause. Cancer? No one likes cancer. Let's fight cancer. Okay. <laughs> what avatar nation would you come from? Taking enough quizzes that tell me it's water. Who would play you in a documentary about, or movie about your life? Steven Yun's too tall, but people have said I look like him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot taller than us. And what's your ideal five minutes of fame? Like pe the, the reason people know me, or just a reason you thing you went viral for on the internet, like five minutes of fame. It's not permanent. It's just the thing that a moment in history. All right, you have the wholesome answer because it's lightning round. The two things: the wholesome answer is me giving my friendship speech because <laughs> you know I got to stroke my own ego there. The ridiculous answer is 
I once went to a strip club with friends and to support a friend who worked at the strip club. But I spent the night reading comics at the bar. So if anyone ever took a picture of that and it went viral, that'd be funny. <laughs> that is funny. And I don't know if I should tell you this, but I will anyway. I'm going to record the speech now just so you could watch it later. Sure. Or, yeah, I want to see this. And I think the world will too. Oh, you mean the speech on the day of? Oh, dang. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. And last one. Oh, no, that was the last one. Congrats. You've done it. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Okay, so do you have anything else you'd like to share with the world that listens? Uh, since this whole thing I said from the get-go is really just like me kind of stroking my own ego and pounding my own chest, uh, I will say I along the way talking to you, I, I not an epiphanal moment, but I did realize that the culmination of everything we've talked about is that I can't be a superhero, right? Like, I can't be Superman. I can't even be John Cena. I don't have the physique. I can't even be Rey Mysterio because apparently Rey Mysterio is taller than me. <laughs> but uh, I think along the way in this interview, this podcast, whatever, here, uh, I've realized that I still try to be a hero with hosting stuff. So that's my last moment of pounding my own chest because I can't even be Robin Williams. He inspired way more smiles and happiness. But I think that's the kind of person I strive to be. So that's the kind of hero I'd try to be in my last moment of stroking myself. <laughs> you heard it here first, everyone. Mike's going to try stand up. Kidding. I would totally go to see it. But... <laughs> And that actually would be along the vein of just something you felt like doing and just went for. Because <laughs> you have a long history of that too. But yeah. So yeah. thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was interesting. I went off on a lot of tangents. Hey, that's what we're here for because... And also, you were the first person to talk about an epiphanal moment, which I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but I'm going with it because you said it. And you research words a lot more than I do. But that's literally the point of the podcast, people. We're all stars. We just have to shape it and help ourselves realize it. I love when people come on and realize, oh, my God, I'm actually interesting. So, yeah. Well, oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm interesting. But I appreciate being able to talk about myself. <laughs> See? And someone out there probably finds you interesting, too. If you do, comment below and like the teaser or something. Whatever, you know how to find us. Point is, end of the episode, everyone. Catch us next orbit, because that's what stars do. They orbit around stuff. No, they don't. Whatever. Satellites orbit. That's the fam. Cool. Yeah. Rotate around. I botched this exit. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>